Hi, this is Leah. This is Caitlin. And this is Hannah. And this, and this is, is Read Me Maybe. Our book for this month is Up to This Point by Jennifer Longo. The inside book jacket reads, Harper Scott is a dancer. She and her best friend Kate have one goal, becoming professional ballerinas. And Harper won't let anything or anyone get in the way of the plan. Not even the boy she and Kate are both drawn to. Harper is a Scott. She's related to Robert Falcon Scott, the explorer who died raising Amundsen and Shackleton to the South Pole. Amundsen won because he had a plan, and Harper has always followed his model. So when Harper's life takes an unexpected turn, she finagles, read, lies, her way to the icy dark of McMurdo Station in Antarctica. Extreme but somehow fitting, apparently she has always been in the dark, dancing on ice this whole time. And no one warned her. Not her family, not her best friend, not even the boy who has somehow found a way into her heart. It will take a visit from Shackleton's ghost, the explorer who didn't make it to the South Pole, but who got all of his men out alive, to teach Harper that success isn't always what's important. Sometimes it's more important to learn how to fail successfully. So one of the things that really made this great book was just the well-drawn and interesting cast of characters that Jennifer Longo wrote. Absolutely. Um, I loved every character in this book, even the ones that you're, like, slated to hate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody was fantastic. I had, an, like, an idea of what everybody was thinking, which you don't often get in a book. Especially for the, all the secondary characters. Yeah. This was a first-person point-of-view narration, too, which is a lot harder to get mm-hmm. other people's train of thought in. Yeah. Um, but diverse cast of characters, everybody was just so great. I, I mean, of course there were a few people that I was just like, go home, sir. (laughs) That was kind of the point. And even then they had their good qualities too. Yeah. So yeah. Well, like they had their motivations. Yes. And you felt like, okay, just because their motivation is at cross purposes to our main character's motivation doesn't mean that they're like, automatically awful, I yeah. guess. Yeah, Not in the traditional antagonistic yeah. sense. They're just, you know, they want what they want, and what they want is at what our main character Harper wanted. Yeah. Well, you've got two different sets of people with some majorly different... I mean, they all kind of, some of them have overlapping aspirations, but you've got her people in San Francisco, her hometown, um, which is a lot of other dancers. Um, you've got her family, which people in her family have slightly different aspirations than her... But most of the people in her life are dancers. They want to dance. That's their dream. And then she goes to Antarctica, and everyone there is really into science or scientific research because that's why they're there. You don't go to Antarctica just to, you know, lay out and work on your tan. What are some characters, mm-hmm. name off some characters, I guess, for me, and talk about, like, what really made them real for you? Okay, so first, Kate, mm-hmm. our protagonist's best friend. Like, they've been friends since they were kids. They've been best friends. They've always had this plan and, like, this idea of what they wanted their life to look like. And when it kind of converged because of, you know, Harper's inability to to have, like, the perfect body that you need to be a dancer and Kate's questioning that, you know, maybe what we've always had planned for ourselves, like, isn't what, you know, will always be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have, they say some words, they get into a fight, but at the end of it, they're still, they're best friends. It's hard with them because 
Harper desperately wants to be as good as Kate, and to Kate it just seems to come so naturally, and Harper is trying really, really hard to embody what Kate just naturally embodies, and it kind of is a stressor on their relationship throughout the book that kind of builds a little bit, and you see them kind of not worrying about it because they've got their friendship, and they kind of cling to that instead, but then it all really kind of comes to a head when things go south. Also, our narrator decides to pack up and move to Antarctica. That'll put a strain on your relationship. Yeah. Yes, yes. I don't know. I definitely saw a lot of, like, my best friend and I in this story in that, mm-hmm. you know, you do have paths that, like, that differ from each other. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you're family, and that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they can't do anything to really just, like, end it. Mm-hmm. They're kind of stuck with you for life. So yeah. Well, when you've been bre- best friends for <clears throat> so long, like, yeah, it is like that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you become friends when you're kids and grow up together. Even when you are growing apart, you're still, like you said, family in a way. Yeah. Well, it's hard because, you know, they grew up, Harper definitely grew up thinking we have the same dream. Yes. We're going to be, like, we have the same interests, the same everything. This is the plan. And she's such a focused, devoted character to whatever she's put her mind on. And then you see that even when she goes to Antarctica and is helping with the research, that when she decides she's going to do something, she doesn't, and she does a really good job on it. Yeah. So I think it was really hard for her to kind of see that what she thought was happening was not what was going to happen. Kate actually had other plans and had kind of yeah. disregarded Harper's plan. Um, some of the other characters in this book, mm-hmm. um, Ben, who is our bearded desk attendant in Antarctica. Um, Beard. He, you know, very minor character, like, not in the in the story much at all, but Jennifer Longo did a good job of, like, drawing out some of why he was there and some of his hopes without actually us having to see him that often because, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't like him all that much. But, like, I understood his motivations and kind of where he was coming from and his, like, anger yeah. towards Harper and yeah. his situation. And while, like, yeah, don't be a jerk just because you're not getting your way, but yeah. I, she did a good job drawing characters. Yeah, so. I shouldn't reduce him to some kind of two-dimensional, just a, you know, yeah. nerd jerk that we all hate, etc. Yeah, like, just a cog in the depth. machine to get our story where it needs to go. Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what I appreciate, mm-hmm. um, the way you phrased it, exactly. Not just a cog in the machine to get the story moving to where it needs to go. Um, obviously all characters are cogs in the greater machine, mm-hmm. but, um, the real... Our cogs gift... had feelings, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and that's the real gift of any writer or any story that's yeah. truly great is not feeling like it's a cog, you know, letting the illusion be, um, an illusion and not mm-hmm. seeing right through it. Yeah. Also, Owen, be still my heart. Oh, the boy in the story. I was on team One Owen. One of the boys. Okay, but it was always Team Owen for me. Like, <laughs> like you may have teased us with the Aiden thing, but... Yeah. Hashtag needs more Owen. Yeah. Hashtag needs more Owen. Usually I will scoff at Hannah's, <laughs> you know... My shipping of all the characters all the time. <laughs> but I was on Team Owen. Owen was great, and he, while she was in Antarctica, you know, he was sending her emails, and... They were just so sweet and romantic, these emails about these dates he was imagining having with her. Other characters that we know and love. How about Willa? Willa was adorable. Willa, she was like the Rue that doesn't die. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I see that. I don't disagree with you, but I kind of still want to, like, poke you in the eye for that. Because <laughs> you're thinking about Rue and now you're sad. Uh, yes, also, I don't want any connection between Willa and a ridiculous, distracting game designed to keep the populace down. Willa's fantastic. Willa is fantastic. She's the cutest little girl who mm-hmm. is dancing and who Harper is teaching to dance. And it's really through Willa that we see Harper in her natural gift for teaching. Yes. And for interacting with kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Willa does a lot to kind of show you a side of Harper that I think would be really hard to show um, otherwise without having that close child relationship, you know, with this girl that she babysits and then teaches and just how much Willa kind of adores her and looks up to her is really sh- says a lot about Harper. Absolutely. I know. His characters don't always know what their best qualities are, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to translate that to you in no. a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but Willa definitely served her purpose and like... Yeah, but Willa wasn't just like a point adrift in the book. Like, yeah. she was connected with her mother, who is, mm-hmm. you know, Harper's mom's student, and... How they're all, like, integrated into the story instead of just being this point over here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should point out that that's how Harper, from her dance background, gets to Antarctica. Her mother is a marine biologist. Um, And so not only does she have the family ties of being a Scott, Scott being the explorer who went down to Antarctica, but that her mom is very into marine biology. And her mother's student, Hannah, who is Willa's mother has a lot of ties to Charlotte, who is a character in Antarctica, and that's how they kind of get Harper past all of these extreme sort of, I guess not tests, but roadblocks they put up so that they can really weed out people who aren't good potential candidates to go to Antarctica because it's such a small environment that you can only have so many people there. There were supposed to be only two teens given this grant to go. There ended up being three because Harper kind of finagled her way in there. Um, because she had these ties. So what did you think about her time in Antarctica? I liked it a lot because of the way that Antarctica is fully drawn as a character as much as anything. You know, the best books always make setting one of the characters in the book. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Longo definitely does that with both San Francisco in Harper's home and Antarctica, where she's really coming to terms with herself and her identity in this new way. Antarctica is really impressively described setting in this book, between the ice flows and the really harsh landscape, but also very beautiful and almost a little bit magical landscape that you have to really protect yourself in um, because it's very, it's merciless. Mm-hmm. And that was really fascinating to read about, I think. Yeah. Well, there are, even though it's such a different setting from San Francisco, which is busy and bustling, there are a lot of parallels in the fact that in San Francisco, Harper kind of isolated herself into her dance world. And then in Antarctica, she's kind of isolated just by the environment yeah. itself. Um, but you still see her change a lot. But it also drew, like, this crazy picture of, like, these kids living in the middle of ice country, just raging all the time. I, like, <laughs> yeah. It was very, like, Huge Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, like that new uh, Tina Fey movie. Uh, I, like, I was feeling that vibe <laughs> hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it didn't make it seem like, I drew it as, like, a 
fun and interesting place, but also wrote some of, like, the downfalls of living in that kind of environment, Mm -hmm. you know, wherein, like, somebody gets pregnant in the middle of her research, and her life kind of gets derailed, and, like... Mm -hmm. Well, even just the T3... Check the expiration date on your condoms, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, she even talks about, like, the T3 that can really affect you, where when you're without all the sunlight, you're in this really isolated environment, it can be really psychologically hard on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and then Harper wasn't that healthy to begin with. She's been starving herself since she was, like, five years old. Yes. Really harsh workout schedule. She wasn't healthy to begin with. Yeah, they talk about... compounded that fact. The, who is it, the person who's doing her physical talked about how she had great leg muscles, but then she was all bone. Like, all bone all over. I don't know how she resisted those cinnamon rolls, because you know I would be eating those cinnamon (laughs) rolls. It's Harper's Um, intense drive and determination. Yeah. Man, that's passion. That's passion. identity so harper spends well the book kind of jumps back and forth each chapter goes from san francisco to antarctica so you really quickly see that she has lost her identity as a dancer um which is who she always thought of herself as and you kind of see her struggling with how she kind of came to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to be a dancer well, and trying to figure out who dancer, she is but a ballerina or a ballerina like, yes the highest degree yes because that was always her dream. That was always what she identified as. And then all of a sudden, the rug is pulled out from under her, and she has to figure out who she is. I think she really she really kind of comes into her own. She gets it together at the end. <laughs> it's fantastic to see a character who, albeit she had a really dramatic reaction to the situation. Maybe it's not I don't know that I've ever wanted anything that, mm-hmm. that much. That's the thing. She so it's didn't hard to just put my... want it. Like, she yeah. sacrificed everything. Oh, yeah. It's dramatic, but it's realistically dramatic. It is. Like, That's what I like about it. Like, I can see this. Yeah, no, this totally. Thing. There was no point in this book when I was like, get it together, girl. You're being yeah. a drama queen. Which, no. usually, in, you know, in a lot of YA, I'm just like, yes. overreaction. Let's <laughs> reel it back, y'all. Yeah. Um, I was on, I was with her every page. I oh, was yeah. like, this is oh, yeah. like a really real reaction for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I shed a lot of tears in solidarity with her, just going, girl, I feel you. I, I feel you so hard right now. Yeah, because it is, it is really um, heart-twisting when she just she just is coming to the realizations about all these different aspects of what it means to change the plan, mm-hmm. capital T, capital T, you know? Yeah, it's hard. And it's hard when you're young and you don't necessarily see all these other opportunities around you as clearly because you're, fo- you know, with Harper, she's so focused. She can't see that there are other things. Yeah. She definitely has tunnel vision. Yeah. That. It was interesting to like, at the beginning of the story, I kind of picked out what was maybe happening with, you know, some of the faces that characters made in regards to like, Oh, the plan. And Kate oh, gets yeah. like mm-hmm. this, you know, this, this reaction that she can't hide or. Yeah. 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 You kind of see that Kate is not necessarily on board with the plan and that, Harper's going to have to change. Her plan is going to derail. Yeah, because Harper is really focused on her plan. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped up in her identity, but other yeah. people's identities are not. No. You know, Kate was, like, on board with the plan, but that was not her only plan. Yeah, She was exactly. kind of like, this is a fine plan, but I'm going to see what else is out there. Sure, much which more is flexible. totally, like, I didn't <clears throat> grudge her that at all. No. Because... Like, 
you know, you say to your best friend in high school, we're going to grow up and get an apartment together. Yeah. And then you guys want totally different things. Yeah. Or also, you know, you cannot live with them because they're just insane. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> living with your friends is hard sometimes. <laughs> so, but the identity struggle was reflected in a lot of other characters, mm-hmm. um, not just in overt ways, like when Harper has this breakdown, you know, with her mom and everything. Her mom talks about her dad, mm-hmm. who was going to be a marine biologist and was super into it. Yes. And Harper's just like, what are you talking about? How could that be? Because he is so fabulous running the bakery and is so in love with it mm-hmm. that Harper can't imagine him doing anything else. Well, and then Lucas, her brother, you uh-huh. know, he changes his major, gets mm-hmm. this job working for, you know, Lucas. Is that Lucas, Lucas Arts. Lucas Arts. Real yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, all of the characters have mild identity crises, and I liked seeing that in the story because they felt more real to me. Yeah, that's totally realistic. we all have identity crises fairly often. I wouldn't say every day. I think very few people end up where they thought they were going to be when they were 10, even 15, you know, or even 18, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, you change and you grow up, and I, you know, a lot of people... Don't end up where they thought they were going to be, and they have these identity crises. Some people have it, you know, when they're 40, and they have that midlife crisis, and buy a sports car, and date someone 30 years younger than them, and some people do it a little bit earlier, and think, you know, you have a crisis of identity at some point, and it was nice to see that it wasn't just Harper having one that was overly dramatic, and super angsty just because it was YA. It was very realistic, and there were other people in her life that also had it. Um, It just really painted this real picture of these characters instead of being like, no, everyone else is perfect. It's just Harper. Well, and there are a lot of different situations that I think um, teenagers, but also all readers can relate to on the subject of identity. Not just Harper having to change her whole plan, but even Owen having Mm. um, found success, great success, really, in a career that is not at all what his family envisioned for him. Yes. They're wanting something much more stable and um, lucrative in a way that they really felt like they could recognize, you know, a good, solid, stable job. Yes. And then he's doing this thing with this gaming company, and Mm. they just don't understand it. Oh, yeah. And they're not buying into it at all. Yes. Despite the fact that he really is fantastic at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that happens so often, and you can point to that in our own lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have a different idea of success than other people, and that's Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, Owen knew that he was interested in helping, you know, like, helping people and making Mm -hmm. people happy, and even if medical wasn't what he could do to get there... Or what he wanted to do to get there, he did it in his own way. So Absolutely. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what did you guys like about the book? Um, I really liked the realistic characters. Um, it was very nice to see characters that I felt like I could relate to. The fact that I cried a lot. Not because I was sad, because I was just like... I don't know, I just related so much to a lot of the things that Harper was going through. Not quite on her level, but just like you could see yourself in her a lot and in the other characters. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, definitely seconding that. I really loved the impact that the setting had on the story. Just everything was really well described and well drawn, not overdone and not underdone, like just super fantastically perfect enough details to really connect you and ground you, not so many that you got bogged down in it. Mm-hmm. Just really solid writing and great characterization for sure. Like, 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 like. 
So throughout the book, Harper apologizes for the sadness she's feeling. Um, she tries to put things in perspective. You know, I'm healthy, I'm alive. And there's a point in the book where I think it's Owen said, no, like, you can be sad about this. I know you grew up in an okay, like, your family has money, like, your family can get by, you're healthy, you're alive, but your sadness is still something that you can feel despite your situation. It was yeah. valid. Because so often you have to apologize for the things that you're feeling because maybe somebody's going through something worse. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's yeah. not fair. I was reading a really great quote um, from an interview um, that The Guardian did with, actually, with uh, Monica Lewinsky. Just recently, and she's talking about how difficult it is, um, you know, to move past all the uh, stigma and the issues surrounding all of that, um, and the shame and the bullying and everything. But she also talks, she had this great quote about feeling pain um, and other people's, you know, pain in comparison. And it was, you know, if I'm drowning in 30 feet of water and um, you're drowning in 60 feet of water, we're both drowning. Like, you yeah. know, it's still painful. That's that's and a really good quote. I know. I really, it really was something that I thought encapsulated. I think some of the pain. Yes, like their perspective has its place for yes. sure. Because, but when you're feeling something, denying yourself the ability to just freely feel it and process mm-hmm. it is so damaging. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's not like the feelings just go away. <laughs> You know, despite friends' quotes and introverts. You know, sometimes I complain about that one zit, and you guys just need to let me complain about it, you know? <laughs> I know yeah. people have lots of more zits, yeah. but if I have that one, I just... <laughs> I want to complain about my zit, yeah. okay? Well, it's like work venting. Like, sometimes you vent about things at work that really aren't that big of a deal, but you just need to vent about it and get it off your chest. But at the because end of the at day, some time, it, you have a really good job. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a great job. I have a job I love. I'm very lucky. Um, I did actually, I had a quote from Jennifer Longo's book that I really liked and I thought really kind of summed up the whole story, um, which was about the Adelaide penguin and it was follow the sun and you'll always be where you're meant to be. And I just thought that was such a pretty quote and so true. I loved it. There were a lot of quotes and lines like that in this book, I think, that were just really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I went through your copy of it and highlighted some of my favorite pa- favorite passages for you, Leah. Let me I'm just tell you how much like I that. know you didn't. I know that <laughs> particular statement was calculated <laughs> to provoke me. I was trying to see if there's like a hint of panic on her face, and there wasn't, folks. She knows me too well. Well, I think Kayla knows me too well, and the kind of reaction I would have. Oh, I'll look, Lindsay, I would do it. I would do it just to see your reaction and then have like a new copy waiting for you under the table. Something that we really all enjoyed about this book was the excellent cast of characters. So what are some books that you guys suggest that also have excellent cast of characters? Hannah? Um, The Screaming Staircase by Jonathan Stroud. It is technically a tween book, but I will never stop talking about how much I love this series so excellent. It's about three young people in London who are fighting ghosts because the adults can't see the ghosts, so the children have to do it. And everyone in the story is just so excellently drawn out. You really see these characters grow over the course of the three books that are out so far. There are more on the way. Um, 
I just love it. I mean, I get through those books so quickly and then I'm like, why did I read this so fast? Because I loved it so much and want it to last longer. The book I wanted to suggest is Serafina by Rachel Hartman. I love this book. It's got dragons and we all know that that's what I look for in a good book. So, um, cast of characters, super well drawn out. I loved all the characters in this book. And I have to admit, I have not read the second one. Um, but it's also maybe because I want to drag out a good thing as long mm -hmm. as I can. You good. should. Totally fair. So. Um, I will plug Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Elyria Sands. Um, that one is... Um, realistic fiction, but sort of historical fiction because it's set in like the 1980s, I think, mm -hmm. in El Paso. But it was so fantastic, particularly um, with regard to the characters. Every character had motivations. Um, I felt like, especially the adult characters, which don't that doesn't always happen in YA um, mm -hmm. for sure. But the parents really had compelling backstories and motivations. And then I'll also plug Jason Reynolds' book, um, When I Was the Greatest. That one, um, all of his books really, but that one I, I did really love for characters, but he mm -hmm. it has such a gift for making characters seem so real mm -hmm. and explaining their motivations and the conflict inside. That's good. It's fantastic. Um, and to hear him speak about it, it's because he really bases every character off of real people. Okay. That he meets, um, even if it's a pastiche, but he was able to describe a lot of people that he had met, and mm -hmm. then you could see where the characters came from out yeah. of that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so you can really get into all of his characters' minds, which is fantastic. When you got to meet him recently, was he pretty cool in person? He is the nicest Good. ever. He is fabulous. He just talks so much about what it means to find your voice and how you, you know, get knocked down and get back up mm -hmm. again. And, but he just is very relatable and very Good. human, but his books are super fantastic and worth reading. Absolutely. Just brilliant. He's so smart and really, um, really engaging and charming. Yeah. Well, Jason, if you're listening and you ever want to, you know, like chat with us or anything, you have an open <laughs> invitation. Uh Inbox Outbox, what have you guys been up to? What have you been reading? Leah, let's start with you. Yeah. Your list is always the longest. Oh, I read After the Woods by Kim Savage, and it was, it was really weird, but uh, it was interesting, but then at the end I didn't feel like it really tied up together in a way that answered my questions. That could be, like, because I'm not smart enough to figure out what was happening, but, like, it just wasn't really, uh, I felt like, fully explained. So that one was about a girl who is kidnapped and then held for like two days and then oh. she breaks free and kind of about the aftermath of all of that and trying to uncover the deeper things surrounding all of it and recover. I'm starting Burn Baby Burn by Meg Medina, who is the author of Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass. And I uh, so far really love it of in the first chapter there and I can definitely already tell it's gonna be awesome oh okay here's the one the one that I read that I love uh the Hamilton okay i.e Hamilton the musical the annotated like oh that's lyrics awesome. and the book behind it all nine-year creation of the musical 
from, you know, the very first song yeah. to um, getting it all the way through. Oh, my God, I love it. That's impressive. I am definitely Hamel Trash, you guys. So then I've also got um, in box the biography of Hamilton that sparked Lin-Manuel Miranda's idea yeah. of creating this. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that one is a brick, though, so I'm kind of backing off of it <laughs> a little bit. That's fair. That's mm. definitely fair. Hannah, what's, what's in your yeah. inbox, outbox? So, I recently listened to Not My Father's Son by Alan Cumming on audiobook. It was excellent. I didn't know he was Scottish because I've never watched any of his interviews or anything, and I guess most of the roles I've seen him in, he's had, like, a British or American accent. So, totally taken by surprise that like, he's Scottish and has this beautiful Scottish accent. Um, he had a really, really rough childhood and an abusive father, and it's so inspiring to see the way he kind of came to terms with that and grew up and still became his own man um, and is just such a great person. He's really fantastic and he's a fantastic actor. So that was cool to read or listen to. Um, I also recently read The Universe versus Alex Woods, which is about this young man who in his childhood was in this freak accident where he was standing in his kitchen and was struck by a meteor. Um, a part of a meteor, it slammed through his roof and hit him in the head, and so he's got this scar, and he's kind of, he's a little different, and he was really isolated growing up, and he makes friends with this older guy, who he kind of sort of becomes best friends with and takes care of him, and help kind of come to terms with a sickness and a kind of a desire to have a doctor-assisted suicide. So it's all about that. It's really interesting. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite book ever. Parts of it felt a little bit slow sometimes, as far as there's not a lot of action. It's a lot of kind of thought and characterization, but it was it was a really pretty read. It was very nice to read. So I actually read a lot of really fantastic books this month. It's been a good reading month for me. Um, I was actually going to start out with Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda, which <laughs> loved it, except for the last couple, couple chapters. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> maybe you could just like, cut it off now and like create your own ending. <laughs> The book is fantastic. I loved the narration. I loved everything about it, except for the last two chapters. So, fantastic. Read I'll it. read them with warning and then ignore them if I decide I don't like them. Yeah, no, I mean, the book was fantastic. I, I gave it four stars, which may not mean much to you folks. It means something to me. <laughs> um, another really great book I read is I Crawl Through It by A.S. King, which this oh. is actually my first A.S. King novel, and I don't know that I wanted it to be. Like, I don't know that it's it should have been my first. <laughs> it's not where you need to start with A.S. King. Right? Um, <laughs> this is actually one of my first surrealist fiction books to ever read. It like, was, really surreal. No, I not mean, like... Not, like, just kind of a little surreal stuff here and there, or a little dream logic. Like, straight-up surrealist, like, like Salvador Dali. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, it was, like, crazy, but I loved it so much. I gave it five stars, but I just, I don't know that I'll ever run into somebody that I would suggest it to, which makes me sad, because I've only heard good things about asking. Another book I'm getting ready to start is E.K. Johnston's Thousand Nights, which is coming mm. up for, it's our next book club pick. Yes. I love that story, A Thousand Nights, you know, it's oh, got yeah. the... Oh, yeah, Scheherazade. Yeah, no, it's like a awesome. super... 
It's a story that's done so many times, but I've read the introduction in the first chapter of the book, and I feel like I'm really going to enjoy this interpretation of it. I'm also getting ready to read Maureen Johnson's Name of the Star, which is like the first in her Shades of London series. I love Maureen Johnson on social media, like her Twitter game and <laughs> her Tumblr. blog and her oh, Tumblr yeah. and just like her hair. She's just like so fantastic <laughs> all the time. But I've never really gotten that into her books before, so I'm excited to read this series because I've heard really good things about it. Mm-hmm. It's been out for a while, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I also recently picked up, picked up Akata Witch by Nettie Oak. I'm not. I'm sorry. Okorafor. Um, it's written by a Nigerian-American author, and it's about a witch, so I'm probably going to love it. <laughs> it's <laughs> got a great cover. Hopefully she's got a pet dragon somewhere, <laughs> and we'll just, like, be the happiest little camper in the world. Yeah. So who would you recommend up to this point to? I think I would recommend this to almost anybody. Oh, I yeah. I super enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Anyone into contemporary fiction... Definitely. Even, I think, people who are kind of into magical realism. It wasn't really... It wasn't magical realism by any means, but I feel like the Antarctica setting kind of gives it almost this magical feeling. Well, then there was also a ghost that kind of popped up a few times, and we didn't go too much into oh, it. Oh, that's I think true. it was, like, slated as a hallucination. Yeah, yeah. it was for, it's like, thyroid deficiency, hallucinations. Yeah, I agree. Anyone who is interested in contemporary fiction, just good writing, honestly. Um, people also who like settings. Romance. Yeah. Mm. Nice romance. Also, it's not a book that's just going to, like, emotionally devastate you for weeks. No. Like, it's an extremely satisfying read, um, but it's not like a make you want to just lay down in a bed mm-hmm. and cry for days read. You know, like, you'll cry a little bit reading it because it's such deep emotional connections and empathy with the characters. But, like, you're not going to come out of it being like, I have such book hangover that I can't read anything else. Which I really prize about this book. (laughs) Because, seriously, there are a lot of books that you're just like, well, I'm done. I am done, you know. I have to say, I withheld from crying, but I'm heartless. I really love this book. It had a good happily ever after-ish ending, which I always appreciate. I could also see it as, like, a good sort of intro to YA for people who maybe mostly read adult fiction um, or aren't really that into YA but kind of want to try some. Yeah, and it's not too, like, genre-ish. No. There's some YA that it's just, like... This is definitely YA. Yeah, and um, I would almost hazard to call it new adult in a way. Yeah. Um, it, because it dealt with characters who are on that transition of getting out of high school and their parents' That's house true. and everything into the next phase of their life. Um, so I think that it could join the same ranks as things like Fangirl or... Um, oh, fangirl. Yeah. Fangirl uh, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I really want... What's that YouTube that does the scenes from... Oh, Yulin Kwong. They I'm need to do have, something from I'm going to have to link to that. Everybody should watch that video. Uh, yeah, it's like there's this YouTuber who does adaptations from mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. She does just one scene, and mm-hmm. she has done to all the boys I've loved before. And she did a fangirl scene that was amazing, completely oh, yeah. spot like, on, so amazing. <laughs> I just she just needs to always interpret things for us, and maybe yes. just like make all the YA movies from here to yes. eternity. Yes. 
The Read Me Maybe podcast is the collaborative effort of Leah Wyand, Caitlin Seagraves, and Hannah Moore. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram with the username Hey I Just Read You. You can also find us online at HeyIJustReadYou.com. This episode of the Read Me Maybe podcast was produced by Hannah Moore of StylishBookNerd.com.